Welcome to Chewing the Yat on WAMF, 90.3 FM, New Orleans. Talking to New Orleans' most interesting people. And today we have studio photographer Curtis Knapp, who's kind enough to spend some time with us. And uh, thank you for coming to the show. Uh, Curtis, how are you today? I'm well, thank you. And would you like to go by Chris or Christopher? Chris. Okay. Yeah, my name's Christian, by the way. Christian, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I would to go by Christopher. But Chris, yes, that would be better. I think most, I think most people know me by, uh, by Chris, and you, uh, may, I put, may I call you Curtis? Yeah, please. Okay, great, I appreciate it. Well, uh, you know, usually I'll start out doing, uh, start out by uh, asking people how they got started in the uh, profession that they're in, or whatever we're talking about, and uh, I find that that brings me some interesting stories. So how did you start as a studio photographer, if you don't mind? How'd you get into the biz? Friends asked me to take a 45 cover. I had, I, had, I liked photography, so I had a Leica once upon a time in the 70s and a Veronica two and a quarter. I love the square format. I always admired Irving Penn. Okay. He's like a god to me. Um, and... At some point, friends asked about 45 images for their 45s, and uh, it was, like, lovely. And the format is nice, the size is like seven and three-quarter inches or something, and uh, I took a picture for some friends, and another friend asked about a 12-inch single, um... And within three or six months, uh, I was shooting little things for, uh, I shouldn't say uh, so much, uh, GQ and Esquire. Oh, not too bad. It just happened. Yeah. Some people showed them this or that. um, And uh, I know you and your friend David like Jim Carroll, same sort of thing. We did something I was planning for a mag in Japan, and uh, it escalates to record covers and things like that. Um, I'd say mainly it was word of mouth in the very, very beginning. Well, you had had some really good cameras there as well, so that was... uh, I I shot that first studio with the Hasenblad, and I sort of haven't changed until this digital age. And may I say kiss my butt to Hasenblad out there. I was on their master's page for five years and they never gave me a discount when digital came out. <laughs> well, do you, how, do you, what's the, the difference <clears throat> do you find since, since you want digital? I mean, is it... It's too clean. Yeah. I miss the grain and each type of film, whether it's uh, Ilford or Kodak, um, has a certain grain to it. At least to me. And it, it, it is a difference that looks different to everybody else. You know, there's something different within all of our brains. Um, but there is definitely something that's too clean in the simplest of answers. Okay, well... You don't have to dust your negatives when you scan them because it's a clean piece of file. That's a, the only positive thing I can say about digital to me. Yeah. Well, I guess storage space is one another. I mean, you can store a lot, store a lot in a smaller space, can't you? I don't know. I just threw out okay. six shoeboxes of nudes. 
that oh. will never see the printing tape, the darkroom, you know. Yeah, I gave up storing everything, you know. So I, I assume you still have some in reserve. Yes, we okay. have enough content, <laughs> I, content to do a few more books. Well, you know, another thing I want to say before I forget, <clears throat> uh, people can get your work online, you're, you're available, so why don't you tell us how we, how we can get your, your work online? At the moment, I th I'm going to try... I'm using the Facebook thing as a contact. Okay. And there's a website, which basically leads to my email, which when people wish something other than a glossy 8x10 for $5, um, and they're collectors, uh, right. it's a nice rapport that gets personal, more than automated. And that's a nice thing down the road if some of collectors are actually interesting people. Mm -hmm. And you miss that with the automated press and buy thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess... Don't get me started. Yeah, you're right. The, yeah, the modern world, the, the modern world uh, it, uh, it erodes the romance of life a little, little at a time, I think, by things like On that. On any of the subjects you're going to choose, um, I, I have to say changes will happen, so don't fight it. Spend the energy on something else. Yeah, we're fighting it. But we do. Futile. Well, sure. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm not, you know, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of old-fashioned, so I understand. I got some of it My friends at coffee are like, how, how are you today? And they're like, uh, speaking the old man's language. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I go, hey, I'm alive. I can complain about it. It's a positive thing. Well, you know, coffee houses, I, uh, I, I had one that I used to sit at before the pandemic every day almost. And uh, I've been, I've been uh, tempted many times to write a letter to the uh, Department of the Interior to see if I can get my coffee house named the first mental health national park. So oh. I think that goes for a lot of coffee houses there. They had their own little, uh, their own little vibe, you know, so... I, I thought about five or six years ago when I had the gallery on Decatur of having a little wooden shingle that said unlicensed psychiatrist oh, yeah, yeah. in. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, like Lucy and uh, Peanuts, five cents. Had... Well, listen, you, you've got a lot of uh, celebrity photos. Yes. Uh, so let's talk about some of those, if you don't mind. Uh, let's start with Madonna, because I think she, that was the one that... Uh, I lived on East 3rd, she lived on East 4th. Some guys down the street on 2nd Avenue were doing Island Magazine, a local East Village thing. Her new record was coming out, and they needed an exact type of photograph, like Steichen's Garbo with the hands. And they had that rough idea sketched on a piece of paper. I knew Steichen from the Stiglitz and the photo sessionists. Half my books are on them. Okay. Yeah. So, it was a no-brainer. Sure. And it was raining like shit, and we went down to Keith Herring's for a party in the fucking rain. It was a mess. He owned a storefront downtown. It was great. So but we worked long on that shooting. Really? Did yeah. It, took you a long time? it was almost all day. Yeah. Wow. That was for Island Magazine. That's her. That was her first photo uh, cover, right? Okay. Yes, it, it was a buck. Now it's about, I think the last one that I sold was $1,400. I see, okay. And that was 10 or 12 years ago. And My kids have a copy. Okay, good. Well, it's good. Uh, have you you've taken more photos of her, haven't you? No. No? That's the no. only one? No. 
I thought, I thought you did. Okay. It's on. pop. I don't like pop music. <laughs> okay, so it's against your religion. Okay. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, I, I sit in Envy and Debbie Harry comes on and I go, oh, shit. And then Talking Heads come on and I go, oh, shit, again. You know, it's like. All these people that you were responsible for them. I go to the other Envy now because it's ambient music. I see. Okay. So you, you had enough of that one time you, you took 10 pictures. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. But, uh, it's all right. I mean, with. Um, you know, Talking Heads are a different thing because there's Mr. Burns and then there's Chris and Tina and that's like friendly on Facebook and everything. Oh, okay, you know? yeah. It's but a, yeah, I know David Byrne was one of the photos that I saw online uh, when I was doing the research for this. and uh, He came to Japan. He did? Yeah, that's to, in his hotel room. To get his picture taken? No, oh, we were doing there. an he art was, show. You, you were there at the time you were living yeah, in Japan. He had Xeroxed over, I guess, eight and a half by 11, a huge piece of artwork that he Xeroxed over to Tokyo from New York or something, and he was going to glue it together. I see. And I didn't want to be around while they had to think about that, so I said, I'll meet you at your hotel room before. Okay, well, that sounds kind of David Bernie from what I could, <coughs> from his first, is that, uh, excuse me. Most, most people um, are giving me their private time. This answers a question in the future. Okay. Um, but like David, and they're giving me their private time as friends. And so I work really fast, unless it's a thing for an ad, and I ask them if they have a personal makeup artist or something like that. Usually it's their time for me, for my art portraits. So I work rather quickly. If we're dealing in film, two rolls on the Hasenblad. That's like 24 pictures. Steve Buscemi? Yeah. You called him up? Yeah, I had just gotten back to New York. I, I, when I plan a project, uh, whether it's a book and a series, to the who gets orders nice food or wine for the opening, uh, I plan like a serious, methodical nutcase. And uh, I called Steve to... Everybody in Japan that visits there would give me their phone numbers. Say, hey, this is great. Call me when you get to blah, blah, blah. It was nice. And I called up Steve, and uh, he wrote my introduction for my iTunes app. And uh, <laughs> he starts by, uh, somewhere in there, it's, he's writing, um, only my mother still uses the, our landline. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I let him or Slasher, and I usually leave everybody's text who I've asked to write for one of my books as is, even at times. I'm, I'm a little jerky, you know, a, a little a bit of a geeky thing, and uh, I, let, I let them go with it. It's just hysterical. Well, Mr. Buscemi, he wrote some line of notes, he said, for one of your, for your book, he says, he says that you make your subjects feel like friends, so you, oh. and also, uh, Timothy Leary, another one of your uh, celebrity photo uh, subjects. He said, did my prison book introduction, yeah. He, uh, he said that your style is almost effortless, and uh, but you're exacting, and uh, you have a clear vision of your finished print, so you yeah. seem to be very professional, yeah. at least from your press I want to shoot some semi-nudes here, similar in romantic feel to the professional runway models in my catwalk book. Okay. Different lighting and different, but still it's romantic and sort of vintage looking. Well, tell us about Mr. Buscemi. He's one of your, uh, I mean, your uh, Hollywood, I guess, movie 
New subjects. York. New York. New York. He, yeah. I think he, you know, he's across the river from Manhattan. Okay. You know? Okay. And they had moved two blocks but kept the same phone number. I see. Yeah. Well, let's see. Let's go a list of some of the famous people that you've. You can, yes. Okay. We, we, we just mentioned. I also that. do flowers and. Children, stuff. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I know. Well, well, you want to talk about flowers and children first? No. Okay, no. okay. I, I drink a lot when I shoot the flowers. Oh, I see. Okay, all right. Well, well there you go. So you must, you must look forward to when you get a... It's a flower. home alone thing. Well, I thought maybe you might look forward to a flower gig in that case. It's, it's, a, it's, it's the only case. book I haven't published yet. Oh, it's really? my flower photography. Okay. Do you have flowers from all over the world? Well, it ended up in my photo studio. Okay. And I'll name it Garden City after the town I'm from on Long Island. Okay. All right. So you. So you. Anyway, go over your little list there. Okay. Well, I we, hope you edited well. We, well, we have an editor, so we'll we'll, we'll, okay. to, we'll see how that works. And uh, anything is fine. Well, you we talked about David <clears throat> Byrne and uh, and the Talking Heads, uh, Lou Reed. I'm trying to go. I'm trying to Tina Turner. Uh, I know you did. Uh, there's an interesting story I read about you about the, with the B-52s also and in uh-huh. uh, REM. Early in your career, you went, you went down to Athens, is that right? Yes, And yes. you uh, kind of started hanging out in that crowd down there. It was the crowd. You the know, crowd. It's a small yeah. college town. Yeah, Athens. And, uh, and you, you were kind of... Uh, I saw a band called The Fans in CBs or Maxes in New York. And they, they did Babies on Fire by... Roxy or Brian Eno, you know, 801 Live kind of thing. And they kicked ass on this song. It was killer. (laughs) And there was this cute blonde, and we got to know each other. Okay. And I went down to Athens for two weeks, and I met Keith and Ricky, and stayed for, oh, oh, shy of two years, off and on. And I I was still illustrating at the time. Okay, yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's been one or two books in the last year that came out where they've got stuff about me and driving up there with three of them and Teresa. And uh, I played a cassette tape for Tommy Dean at uh, Max's. Kansas City, yeah. Yeah, I had painted some wall on the first floor and... uh, we drove back to Athens, and uh, the guy's dad had the bus station, so there was a payphone, and every day I'd call and bug Tommy in New York, give the band a job, you owe me a favor, be please. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. And then, you, then they went up there, and they, they, that's how they got kind of... They, they nicked it, yeah. And luckily for me, for a timeline, which I don't care about, because they're all healthy and... I love them. Um, they played at Max's, and a few days later they played Seabees. And their friend, really good, um, she organized more people to come to Seabees. But the word was out from Max's already. It's a small town, downtown New York. Okay. And it was packed, and it was great. Yeah, it sounds like it. I think Chris and Tina from The Heads went, and I think they signed with the same manager for a number of years. A guy that everybody hates now, but who cares? Agents suck. Well, I guess that's their business, huh? I'm with Getty, and, you know, they take a lot. Yeah, well. (laughs) They got the lawyer. Yeah. 
that's what she got them for in the first place, I guess. Yeah, they're all sweet people. I mean, Kate and Cindy and um, Cindy's husband also, he came to Japan because he was with Dentsu in New York for a while. He's a graphic designer. And I have to distinguish between Keith Bennett, Cindy's husband, and Keith Strickland in the band. Yeah, because not everybody would know who Yeah, Keith, yeah sure. Uh, let's see, uh, Tina Turner, Lou Reed. Uh, Niall Rogers. Well, you, 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 he ended up producing all of these people at some point. He was one of my very first two or three GQ photographs. My love out there to you, Niall, and I hope the eye operation went well last Saturday. Well, I mean, it's quite a list there. I mean, you know, uh, Madonna. Pick, pick something that's obtuse. Obtuse? Well, okay. Hank I learned Aaron. that word the Hank, other day. Hank Aaron. How'd that come about? I'm doing drink commercials with him for a year or two. Also with Osada Haru, their biggest they, they knew each other for decades. And, uh... So you took Sadaharu also? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, is The ridiculous side of this, which we laugh at, um... I can walk to Osan's house in like 15 minutes, like from here to Flor Flora's Cafe. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you're right there. In the it's the, in the next hood. physical train station the on hood. the subway line. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking later on to these guys in front of the Japanese designer. Um, you could have flown Hank from Atlanta to freaking Tokyo and shot this for about 10% of the budget and let's call it 50% but you give me 40% because I saved you 50% yeah, yeah. and they said we needed the stadium ah. that was it it's all about location yeah yeah and I let O O is one of those uh, Japanese many of them who are their grandparents were brought over yeah, he was, Korean. He was half Chinese or something, weren't he? Korean. Korean, okay. So he does a special thing for kids' baseball in Korea. Okay. And I said, just use the pictures, the extra ones, no sweat. It's like here I do something for abused kids at Christmas time. Yeah. I don't do adult charities. I do kids. It's maybe from my children's book, yeah. 10 years as a oh. porno and children's illustrator. That was that was two separate things there. Okay. So, uh, so how how did how did you find him, Mr. O? Was he? Uh, I mean, I believe he's Japanese, so I guess he was. You know, did you find him? I mean, he's a big. I mean, he's a he's a huge star, obviously. Oh, Japan. great! He's nice. I mean, it's like the Babe Ruth of Japan, basically. For those who don't know. Yeah. Yes. Exactly the same batting average or something yeah, like had, that. Well, they both hits. have that thing. You know, whatever. I'm not a sports person. Right, I just yeah. shoot them. And uh, you know Barry Bonds, Jesus, where are you today? You know. Did you have you done any other sports people? I've known? done Barry. Barry, yeah. Yeah, and I got off the plane coming home, ready for my portrait of him, which I took in five minutes. We would finish the ad thing, but I shot my private thing in five minutes. And I came home with the whole delusion that his autobiography was going to be coming out soon with my portrait on the cover. And I, I said, yeah, no, I but, you know, and we did this with, sent it to Barry, and you know he's in trouble with drugs. And I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
steroids, yeah. Well, other things that were clear and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So you're not you're not a sports fan, so No, the yeah. the lights were on, the cockroaches all ran to the yeah. dark. I was in San Francisco the, like the last year I think he played with the Giants and he was kind of anathema to everybody else in America in baseball at that yeah. time. But he, of course he was like their, he was their god, so whenever he would come up it was like a you know, a, a happening, you know, they 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 were they were all okay with it uh-huh. in San Francisco, the baseball fans anyway, it seemed like. So, no, no. I find that the uh, talent from America or France or someplace, because I would do the Cannes Film Festival that happened in Asia also for like Premier or something, and I find the foreigners that come to Japan are, without the job we're doing, really happy to speak English. Oh. And there's a Unity, unity par- what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, bonding okay, of bond. some sort. Yeah. And that's unspoken. Like, thank God, where can I get a cheeseburger? You know, <laughs> kind of thing. And, you know, you're out by the, even in LA, you're out by the stadium where it's just mountains and farm fields and there's a Denny's light down the road. Yeah, yeah. So they, that, that, that comfortable feeling of home, perhaps. Yeah. You know, I guess. I, yeah. I don't know. Hank and O were very nice. I worked with them for about two years. Okay. Yeah. Oh wow, that's yeah. that's a, quite a bit then. Yeah. Yeah. Did you do did you any football players, NFL players? No. Okay. No. And I had a proposal when I got here to this team, the Saints, right. and I don't got think it got past the door, man. <laughs> well, but, that's too bad. But, yeah. But whatever, you know. That's okay. I'll save it for another client. That's right, that's right. Uh, well, we talked briefly before we went on the air yeah. about, about horse racing a little bit. Have you ever done any things around tracks? Much? Um, I just liked horses yeah, in yeah. my pre-20s. Right. right? And so I, I'd work at a local racetrack, you know, cleaning out the stalls. Right. Right. I'd teach it at Boys Scout Camp. Uh, my military school had troop, thus I have no front teeth from jumping. Uh, okay. So yeah, yeah, I I can. So no racetrack sh- shots. Beat the crap out of a horse with my fists. Or okay, okay, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You tie them to logs so they stop ripping down the fence post you just built. Yeah, they they have a, they have them on their own. Those yes, they sometimes. Do. Yeah, yeah. I used to walk horses at the track and. Uh, I found that each one had their own personality. Uh, I mean, really, seriously. I mean, they, yeah. they were just like you know, and and they're rather they're rather large. You know, oh yeah. You know, so yeah. You, you they know, just look sleek on TV. If you're in a confined space with them, when you have to put them into the stall, you know, it can be a little dicey depending on how their temperament like is. Like a New York subway. Yeah, okay. something like that. Yeah, or worse, actually. I, I had one step on my foot one time, and I was stupid enough to wear tennis shoes. And I was trying to get his foot off of, of my, of oh, my toes. Man. But uh, I finally got him off. He was one of the most laconic horses, thankfully. So I could, I could punch him on the... This scar on my cheeks from the front bite of a, you know... Oh, really? Hey, this is yeah, like yeah. Oh, yeah. the movie Jaws, where they start comparing yeah, their scars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, they'll bite you immediately. Okay? Oh, you, yeah. You have, to, you have to be... Yeah, my boss was putting, um, here, putting medicine on the back forelock, and I was holding his head, and he... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nailed me. Oh, yeah. The thing is, with the camp horses, they're all sent to like Ohio for the winter, and they run wild. And you get all right, twelve horses get off at this camp, and fifteen off at this place. And you got to train them for like weeks before you can put a kid on them for the trails. 
Well, they'll go berserk and ride right through the brush trying to get rid of the kid on the... Yeah. You know how sure. that goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been, on, I've been on, yeah. uh, on the back of a horse that didn't want to go where I wanted him to go. You uh-huh. know? And, and, yeah. And he, he was not too rambunctious, thank God, but it was like, it was kind of embarrassing because I was at a, at a horse farm and my sister wanted to ride horses and I didn't but a I had to ride one. works really well but I didn't have a broom I was sitting on top of it and there I was I was kind of like at its mercy yeah and it started to rain it was, it's, it's, but it, we're not here to talk about me so anyway okay. but how did you get to Japan like why uh, my ex-wife said we're moving to Japan oh Okay. I said yes, sir. Well, that was uh, that was. It was time for my stepdaughter to start first grade there. I see. And uh, was your wife Japanese? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, Narika managed Yoko O Tadanori. He's a type of artist there, who before college was a living treasure kind of thing in their world. Okay. Yoko Ono goes to Tadanori Yoko's exhibitions because she loves him like a god okay. so off and on for 20 or 5 years or in the beginning of a even before I met Narika she was his manager and then quit and then worked and then quit again and, then, and, then, and this went on for decades <laughs> like nuts I mean in my East Village apartment I had Yoko's kids sleeping on the floor like punks you know okay. visiting America <laughs> Are the kids all right? And this is Yoko, who, like, is the Andy Warhol of Japan, literally. Yeah. So she was very smart. And uh, I say always in Japanese smart-ass interviews, I walked around this town, Tokyo, with my portfolio for months. So they would not... They would get used to... They don't have to be scared here I really do something more than a telephone interview Uh and once in a while if I got a job or a nibble I'd call from this gentleman's office to Narika at home with the kids and she'd barter and they'd realize who she was but I didn't play that card looking for work it was and I'd have to tell the Japanese guys looking for fault with Americans this aspect very clearly. I walked my ass off when I got there to make whatever level I got to, which was really nice. Yeah. I worked my ass off walking around that town. Well, I noticed that you had a, a Fuji Film uh, Award as well, and I looked up those awards, and those awards are pretty high-powered because they, they, they mm. give most of the awards are for technical achievements. Yeah, it's, it's pretty... Sometimes it's just for the art. Sometimes it's... Uh, Randy Bass, who I believe became Oklahoma Senator, had a huge, fabulous batting average. And uh, I did a Gillette thing where for hundreds of something, he shaved his beard in two different newspaper ads. And that's an ADC award. And I play that stupidly down because it was an AB freaking C stupid, you know, I white background, hi Randy, Curtis, your light's on fire kind of thing. That was the most exciting. The next day he gets shaved by the god of shavers, you know. So for for, for listeners, Randy Bass was a major league player who went to play in Japan and became a big star in Japan. Yeah, he was gigantic. Which which happens sometimes. Yeah, he he was, uh, 
Well, I'm doing something always every year with somebody. Well, they have the all-star game there. Yeah. So whether it's a Japanese guy playing for Seattle or something. Anyway, sports is really a small part of what I do. Oh, I know, I know, but I'm, I'm a sports fan, so I just thought I'd ask. Uh, so uh, I'm trying to think of the guy's name now. Brian Borg. Brian Borg was nice. Who's that? Tennis guy. Brian Borg? Yeah, yeah, he was a nice guy. Yeah. I, I went to Monte Carlo to photograph him. Okay. Well, you get to some nice places, huh? Yeah, folks here that say, you know where you should go, and I'm like, sure. shut the hell up. I came here. <laughs> I so, like here. So, uh, so, so that's why you came here, because we speak similar to New York? Is that why you came here? Um, I, I, I have a friend from Long Island who's been here since college, who okay. I respect very much. And the architecture here. The most thing I missed in Japan was, uh, I realized towards the end of my years there, was architecture of any kind. So I came home to Washington, D.C., and that's lovely architecture. And I love New York anyway, but I moved here because it was like, you know, outside of like Portland to make pottery, it's New Orleans. And I had experienced the South in Athens, Georgia, and uh, I gave it a shot. And it's just as f***ed up as I thought it would be. <laughs> Decatur Street here is the most like St. Mark's Place in the late 60s and the 70s. Except I refuse to call these gutter somethings with a P word because right. I'm insulting my punk friends. friends yeah, yeah. But this is very eclectic and it's a good thing. It doesn't matter of high or low level people. It's a very cusp of this area of the town. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting. And if you're a smart viewer, you can see this area, more than most, radiates a certain type of energy. It's one kind in the CBD. It's one kind in the Garden District. Here you're getting a bridge of crossover people constantly, right within a two or three block stretch. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah, well, that is an interesting landscape of, uh, of humanity, I guess you'd call it. Uh that little stretch right there that you're talking about. Yep. And uh, how, how long have you been in New Orleans this time? I came here the end of 07, I think. Okay, so you've been here a while. Yes. Yeah. I don't know the names of the streets, Marini and Metroni, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. but I can say Chapitulis because my train station was Teresa Daigaku. Yeah, sure. It's, it's a so no. child's play once you come from Japan, yeah. So, oh, you're I, I'm sure you're familiar with Mr. Takamini's uh, house, huh? Yes, I am. Yeah. I've read the plaque. He yeah. was an inventive biological surgeon. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. Not, you know, a lot of people don't know about him who live, who live in New Orleans. You know, it's interesting because I read all the plaques. Yeah, that's a good one though because it's uh, Mr. Takamini was a uh, he was the co-chairman of the 1884 World's Fair. Uh huh. And uh, he uh, so he got the first uh, biological patent yes. in America. Yes. And he became a uh, pharmaceutical uh, millionaire, I believe, from his... Uh, yes, his that's a beautiful building there that they're always working on yeah. for some weird reason. And Paul Morphy's uh, father lived there as well. And Paul Morphy was the great American uh, chess champion who was born in New Orleans. Okay. He's, he's, he's actually uh, still thought of by many as the oh. greatest chess player of all time. 
and by many people. Castro Convertible's original office is up here. Well, there you go. It's, 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 I, mean, it's, I read it, all the plaques. It's just, it's just teeming with, one day there'll be a plaque down here for you. Well, you know? well, uh, well, I just moved off McDougal Street because the bus would go past my window. I could see the people on the double-decker bus. I'd throw my yeah. well, pe- yeah. peanut shells. Bob Dylan lived over there. Oh, did he? You know, yeah, I'm like, yeah. and I'm yelling, I don't give a flying yeah. anymore. Oh, you could have said, no, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like being at Birdie Mart and the tourists, when there's about eight groups there, they all have a different, slightly story. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you listen to the guys and oh, it's, and stuff. And it's like radio. It's, it's like great. You, you get a new story every day, like Scheherazade. Well, the lady that lives across the street over there, uh, Myrtle Meredith, she owns all the oil wells in Louisiana. All of them? She's the largest owner okay. of them. She's well, infamous. I mean, Doc tells me about her. The riverboat captain lives across the street yeah, from yeah. me. I love him. We do morning gardening out there. He's a really sweet guy. Do you take pictures of just civilians? No, no. I try not to. Okay, all right. Just curious, because I mean, because it seems like interesting people. I mean, the street photographs I do are usually for somebody's establishment that's a friend, and they okay. say, "You got any street pictures?" I mean, not really. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get back to some of the. Uh, Go for it. We, you, you mentioned Andy Warhol uh, a minute ago. So, uh, how did you have any stories about his photos or? You did quite a few with him, didn't you? I mean, um, I did three days with him that were very broken up amongst two months. Um, I should say that uh, ha- the fashion designer Hanai Mori has a, a publishing company called um, Ruko Tsushin, and they have a number of magazines, and one of them was FN, Fashion News. And it was very high level for Japan's fashion world, like top of the line. And they love to get, uh, I think uh, I'll say that Japan is like England. It's an island mentality and they absorb news from the outside more than say we as a huge continent would. So uh, I got this gig to uh, do interesting people for their food page. Okay. Okay. I know it sounds funny. So, everybody eats. They get to invite somebody. And I don't know whether we stayed on track or not, but I did three or four friends. And the first was Jim Carroll, because we had met somehow. And I should add that Narika loved avant-garde writers, so she had a consciousness of what was being done in the new writers in New York that was, were translated to Japanese. So, <laughs> we did Jim, and he had a wife whose name will come to me, Rosemary Carroll, and she was either either or both, a lawyer or a smart real estate lawyer or something, and whatever I shot, she liked the way I handled Jim and what I ended up with. So... I shot Jim for this food thing, and I, he might have invited Buddha. I don't know. And uh, then I did Paul Davis, the painter, and he invited uh, Shakespeare because he did all of Joseph Papp's theater paintings, posters, and everything. And then I did Klaus Nomi, 
and he invited Mickey Mouse. And I love Klaus. I love him to death. And then I did Andy. And he, he became last because I had to wait for crap that I tried to do the correct way, like call his agent at Willamita Modeling and got like the hoity-toity. The one thing I can't handle is working for someone else, unless it's a great creative director, or the hoity-toity you're going to try and hand me. Prove your worth to your boss some other way. Don't use me like a mat. So I said, screw this, and I just walked across the street and walked in and said, I got this project to one of his assistants, and here's my phone number across the street, which is Union Square in New York. And uh, in like a week, his assistant called, and uh, I said, hey, I'll pay you. And they said, how much? Because Andy's right there with this guy who's a very nice young man. And um, cut to the chase. So Andy said, how much? And I said, I'll pay you $350. If you want to take $250, I can give you $350. Can I do this more than one day? Is it cash? I said, what's your problem? <laughs> he said, I never see cash up here. It's all paper money. And he loves to shop and he at the flight of a thing and have cash in his pocket. And uh, it was just that cute. Yeah. And we broke it up because of his schedule and the way I needed to photograph him for what I wanted as an image. So the series, let us say, with the red painting, um, right. his assistant was doing that, right in the middle of the factory. And I said, Andy, get down there and look like you're actually working. And so he did it. <laughs> that kind of crap, you know. Yeah, yeah. And stuff at my studio, and then we went out and we ate something, you know. But I had to break it up. But it's a paid gig. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting story for sure. Uh, He's okay. I saw him all the time, you yeah, know. Yeah. The studio's right there. Allen Ginsberg's place was on the other little caddy corner above McDonald's. Union Square was really nice. Yeah, and you also did a, a Allen Ginsberg a, a portrait that I saw. And, uh, it's against you, the side wall of McDonald's. Is it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Do, do, you, do you label that? Uh, you, don't, you don't label the... Uh, the locations? The locations. Not a, the exact location. Yeah. Maybe you should do a book about the locations of you know, McDonald's if you have a... Where these were taken. What about William S. Burroughs? Did, um, did you... I was nice uh, acquaintance. See, I'm, I'm acquaintance with most of these people. I'm not their friends. They sure. just, they like my work. Like, oh, I can see me. And it is the more famous people who don't tell me what to do. They're there because they like what I, they saw. It's the newer people I get assignments. Can you light my hair behind? And I'm drifting from my point. Allen Ginsberg. No, that's fine. That was, that was good. That's, that was a very good insight, I mean, because people... I think the people who are actually the more famous, maybe they don't, they've already gone through maybe with these people who just became famous, yeah. have gone through, so they're not really... Doing for me and also doing at a gig are also two different things, because like I had said, I'll ask them, you must have your own makeup artist, just give me the phone number, my creative director will work it out, and then you and I don't have to worry about it, and then that subject matter person is more comfortable with me because I did something that makes them comfortable. Does that make sense? Sure, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We, we talk about Allen Ginsberg 
Allen? Yeah. Um, no, Burroughs. Uncle Burroughs, I'm sorry. I had shot John Giorno for Interview Magazine. I had actually started as a bad illustrator for them, but uh, had switched midstream. And I shot John Giorno, and he lived at the bunker, and he had the Giorno poetry system and dial-a-poem. And um, he, he did recordings with Burroughs and Laurie Anderson and, and the people at the bunker. And William had already moved to Lawrence, Kansas with uh, Garrett Hirsch or something. And he had gone to England to receive a... Uh, scribe award that he and Alan were really proud of. They always wore it after they got it. And he was stopping to do an interview and uh, the basement of the bunker was pitch black with a little stage and these uh, black pylons with lights in them. And John had called me in the morning and my camera was in the shop getting fixed. And I went, <laughs> you knucklehead, why didn't you tell me like two days ago yeah. William was coming through on the way home? And he didn't. And I grabbed someone else's camera and used those lights. It's a very harsh, high-contrast photograph. But it's in the basement of the bunker. And John was nice enough. He just passed away not too long ago. Um, Giorno. Um, Nice enough to remember me and call me up. This is in the sure. telephone era. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Yeah. Live from the telephone era, you yeah, know? Yeah, and, and there's a new CD, and uh, he, someone who's ever handling his estate, it's the cover. It would have been nice to have had credit, but it's not bad. And I'm going to enter it with John and those guys. Um, I found them very interesting, especially out in L.A., Timothy Leary and all those people, um, like Huxley's wife and John C. Lilly, um, John, those altered states and Day of the Dolphin or whatever, those are all about his work. With And uh, Oscar Janiger, who gave LSD to every movie star. They're two different worlds. And... Uh, quite interesting. I just rarely sit and shut up, but around these people, unbelievable. Well, I was going to get to Timothy Leary next. I mean, how was, how was that experience? Um, nice. John C. Lilly introduced me to him, and I would go up a lot, and then he passed away while I was still living in L.A. a year and a half. I was doing so many book projects, I may as well rent an apartment. And he passed away, and I hired his secretary, a Scottish or an Irish girl, very nice, to translate my interviews with the prisoners I had handwritten for my art book on prisons. And she understood the way I was thinking from her, seeing the way Tim and I were talking, because he wrote the introduction for the book. And he lived up in the hills. And like most people, as soon as he died, the vultures descended on his house. It's really sad the way that goes down with these people. I mean, people just would take, take artifacts from his house? Yeah, 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 yeah. Every family's different, but I've seen it with a number of people that have passed away. It's very weird. Tim was kind of funny and okay. He'd give me pot because the doctor wouldn't let him smoke anymore. <laughs> That's a that's a kind of a strange phenomenon. People will grab grab people grab people's stuff in their house, and I wonder I wonder if they actually even keep it. 
I don't know, he had a framed piece of glass with a bullet hole in it, and I think Burroughs had given it to him, and I really wanted that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that would, well, I'm sure there were some, some good artifacts, you know, yeah, in his yeah. life, but still, you'd think they would have somebody, uh, I mean, was it, an it was an isolated place? He was up in the hills in like a neighborhood with a driveway, not a huge place at all, yeah, so, you yeah. know, but above the schmog, sort of. I mean, I'm a sentimental person myself, but I don't know. I, 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 don't, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. I guess it depends on how. I guess that, that's a, the real sign of being famous. I guess that people come and start taking your friggin' house apart to take it home. I'm giving stuff away before I die. I gave, <laughs> I gave David Rowe a John Giorno book yeah, the yeah. other week. Okay, well, there you go. That's, that, that's, that's, it's sat in the bag for like 40 years. Well, that's the answer. And it's handmade. Yeah, that, that's the answer. Give you stuff away. It's like a it had David's name all over it. Like you a quackutal thing. You know, you get rid of all your stuff. Yeah. You know, before it's too late. Uh, let's see, I'm trying to see some other names on here. I noticed that, I noticed that you, didn't, you didn't have any, uh, for, as far as I could tell, any famous comedians, huh? Or did you? No, just me. Just you. Okay, you don't want any competition. Yeah, okay. yeah. Because uh, I mean, in in New York, comedy's a hard racket. I've known comedians when I lived in L.A. Uh, I remembered up at Jack Nicholson's Monkey Bar, to a nice point when they'd come to. I went back to Tokyo after L.A. But they would call me when they were on the airplane, or Jack's secretary would, and he had a club on Melrose called the Monkey Bar. And Harry Dean Stanton and Jimmy Rip would play on a quarter little tiny stage and uh, every Tuesday or Saturday. And it was great. The place was packed, cushioned 1920s dining room. It was great. And I met some, there was a point to this at some point. Well, Jack. Comedians. And sometimes you'd see comedians in there and, you know, they'd chat up or something and uh, I... I finish and say, you can write that down, it's okay, no, I won't tell anybody, or something. Because okay, yeah. I'm very sarcastic yeah. with a New York sense of humor, them, I think. Yeah, give them the material, yeah. And different to L.A., but they're my subject matter for the New York slant on something. Can you, can you remember any of the comedians that, you, that may have copped your material off the top of your head? No. Okay. No. This, I'm, this I'm sorry I didn't go to the Friars yeah. Club, though. I had permission to shoot Milton Burrow. Okay. And yeah, I'm a lazy squatter, you know. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, that would have been cool. Yeah. I don't shoot. You had a a, 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 a a nice Fred and his wife was Landrew or Landry. She was the senator or congresswoman. Oh, Mary Landrew. Yeah, and there's a greasy spoon literally on Capitol Hill, and they had a house two doors down. I'm there every morning at six thirty, and. Uh, she was okay, but she wanted to do my private portrait. She wouldn't come three blocks in the other direction to my house. I had to go up four blocks down past her house to the Senate building, to the third floor, to shoot in front of a fake bookcase, like every other news person. And I said, Fred, to her husband, while we're eating in yeah. the rest, I'm not going up to that place. Don't, don't have her get mad at me or anything. Everybody comes to me. It could be the Prime yeah, Minister yeah. of Japan. Give me a break, you know? Yeah. Uh-uh. Well, there you go. That's why she lost her re-election. 
Oh, really? No, I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't know. I'm just, uh, Fred's in the real estate. I called him when I got here. He said, you ready to buy? I said, I just wanted to tell you I made it safe to this swamp. <laughs> <laughs> so you're friends with uh, Mr. Snelling. Is his name? Fred, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got his card somewhere. somewhere we're okay. acquaintances. We're okay. not friends. We're coffee shop acquaintances. Well, she, uh, I, I forget about this sometimes, but she actually endorsed me for president one time. Because okay. I'm a comedian. And I did a thing at the, the local Gridiron show. That's what people say. And it was about the Saints. And she was the headliner at the Gridiron show. It was the yeah. press club. And after my monologue about the Saints, she got up and she said, the Democrats are having a hard time finding a, a candidate she's here for president. Oh. And she said, I vote for this guy, which meaning me, because okay. I, I, was, I was a hit that night, you know, so uh, oh. that's as close as I've ever gotten to her. I did talk to her, I did talk to her sister afterwards okay. for a while. Her sister was a... She's very congenial, yeah. an attractive lady. Yeah, yeah. She was, I think, a three-termer, so that's that's a pretty good run. Eighteen it, years, is it? Yeah, yeah, eighteen years. I mean, and, she, and of course, I mean, her, and her, her brother, of course, was the mayor. Oh, and, I see. I don't know. All and her of father this was stuff. the mayor. See, her father was the mayor. That's okay. You know, I went when I first got here. One of my friend's sons was getting Eagle Scout, and I went over here to the, your lake. And there's a big public center auditorium there. At the lake. Yes. It's, oh, okay, yeah, by UNO. It's huge. It's by the university. It's not the sports center or anything. No, no, it's it's more west. Yeah, it's, yeah. They had a huge court of honor, and they were going to give out, like, um, 55 eagles, and I'm a troop leader, and all of that jazz. And okay. uh, so I go with my friend and his son, and... Uh, there's, and they were going to give out uh, like 15 silver beavers and my dad was one of these older guys so I see this old guy and he's got the damn beaver around his neck and I go up and I talk to him and I of course move somebody's coat and I sit down and uh, I go back to my friend's table and he goes uh, that's Connick Jr.'s dad you know you're sitting there talking to you know he's going to be the guy up on the stage later they'll all bow down to I don't think he could walk well and he looked lonely, so I went over and just talked to this old guys because they like dock across the street, the riverboat captain. Yeah. They have all the stories. Yeah, yeah. I do what I do, and I'm not home doing my painting anymore because I. It wasn't the money when I started taking portraits. It's the people. Everybody is so. Everybody's different. Everybody has a different story, yeah. good or bad. Yeah, yeah. And some people are idiots, like Luke Besson, the director. I walked out on him. Well, there you go. Yeah, it happens sometimes. I'm sure there are. I'm sure a lot but of them people are. in general are so interesting. Yeah. You know? And most people are really nice, actually. Yeah. You know, cause in my job, which we won't get into, but I, that's, that's the thing about my job that I, would, that I would miss of all things would be the people that you've known over the years, because you see the same ones in my case. In your case, you might not see the same ones, but you do get to meet a parade of interesting people. You know, obviously, you know, I mean, you've... You've, you've got a, quite a constellation there that we've gone through today. Of you know? lifeless packages. You know? Yeah, no, really. I mean, Genesis you know, song. Everything from Madonna to Sadahara O to Timothy yeah. Leary. That's a pretty, that would be a nice dinner party. Yeah. You know? I'm going to try and focus on, uh, I, I need to shoot, when I say kids' photographs, there's an innocence, they're not jaded yet. Yeah. And I try to, ca it, it's not the smile they give at Olin Mills or something. It's something a little deeper. Yeah. And uh, every time I look at vintage photographs of children, 
there's always something very calm and quiet about it. It's not a big smiley face yeah. in, the, in the cell phone. And there's something else. On, it's not a romantic feeling. It's just sort of a vintage, quiet look. And I got to shoot more kids that are unknown and not celebrities. Yeah. You know. Yeah. What else do you need to know? Well, you know, we run out of time, so I was going to say, if there's anything that you, we got about three minutes. Uh, we're here with uh, Curtis Knapp, studio photographer of uh, the rich and famous. And they're not so rich and famous, and everything in between. Well, and just flowers, regular people. And flowers, regular people. Yeah. He's actually taking a photo of me. He was, he was kind enough to, to go to the jazz museum one time and take uh, photos of uh, all the people who came to the museum. I thought that was pretty cool. I like working with Greg over there, the director of. Yeah, the, he's a nice man. Um, if, as, and when I ever leave this town, honest, I've thought about this. I'm leaving. It's almost a justification at working at their budget for what I do. I'm going to leave something nice for the history archives over there and their files. It's really a nice... And Greg's... I'll, he's a good curator and he works his butt off organizing all those things people see over there. Yeah, he's a nice guy too. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's I mean, a drummer. Is he? He's oh. got his kit in some practice studio somewhere. Yeah. Okay, well, there you go. He's a great guy. I like Greg yeah, he is, a lot. He is a great guy. Well, Curtis, uh, we're almost out of time, and I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, tell us uh, a little bit about your life and uh, your work. And uh, It's not bad. You're friends of David. You had an in. Oh, yes, David too. I did. Caroline. I, I did. Yeah. I have, we have a mutual friend, and, and I appreciate uh, you taking the time to do this. And uh, maybe we'll do it again sometime, uh, if you'd like. And uh, I'll have some better questions. Let's see. Let's see. One last week, let's see. I've got about maybe two minutes Maybe not quite. There's a nice shot of George Romero and Stephen King together, I, I saw. That's an that early, early uh, job. And it's literally leave New York, fly to Pittsburgh, fly back to New York the same afternoon. Yeah, George Romero's from Pittsburgh, huh? yeah. Uh, they were shooting the number two movie of that Living Dead or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, Night of the Living Dead. Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. And... Uh, Leslie freaking Nielsen kept walking behind me here in his bathrobe and he had a fart thing in his pocket and he was doing an interview and he kept squeezing this thing and I've got Stephen and his son and George laughing and uh, there was some serious NFL thing just like a year ago that asked to use one of the George Romero things okay. and I said okay um but they were very nice guys, yeah. and I was in and out of there. That's the set of the movie. I just sat them down in front of the set. Well, it was a nice shot. I mean, they, they looked they looked at ease, and they looked like they were you know, having a nice time. They, yeah, they, I wanted they, them laughing, yeah, not yeah, so goofy. Yeah. Esquire was very kind to me in the beginning. Stephen King, in the beginning, what happened? Well, I, I moved to Japan within a year. I started photography, and we were out of there. I see. Well, I think we're out of time here. You've you been listening to Curtis Snap on Chewing the Yak, WAMF 90.3 FM, New Orleans. Thank you, Curtis. This was nice, Chris. Thank you very much. No, thank, thank you. you. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank yeah. You. There you go.